0: So for the uh, the next several weeks, we're going to look at something very specific. And uh, we're not going to walk through a book of the Bible. What we're going to be doing for the next, well, this week and then the five weeks after this, is we're going to be looking at something very specific. And we're going to be looking at the way that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, we're going to look at the way that he uses this, this term outsiders, or this idea of outsiders, and uh, Paul, who wrote most of the a good portion of the the New Testament, uh, is that he was he was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious leaders within Judaism, and was actually persecuting the church early on. And in his desire to persecute the church, is that he was like the church dispersed, and so he says, "Well, I'm going to go track down the church, the people that call on Jesus the Savior." and I'm going to go find them and squash them out. But in the the middle of doing that, uh, Jesus came to him uh, in a a vision and asked him, why are you persecuting me? And in that experience, Paul actually comes to faith. So there's this really weird thing where Paul was persecuting the church actually becomes one of the early leaders of the church. It's it's a beautiful picture of redemption. And it really was really hard for him early on because you imagine this, right? It's like the one that was trying to to, to squash us is now the one that's trying to like help us the one that was trying to stop the movement is now the one trying to 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 to, to move it forward and so there's a lot of suspicion early on with paul because like did, he, did it really happen are you just trying to figure out are you trying to become like a little spy and so he found you know some, some pushback early on and really what what it comes to be is that is that paul would say that he is a, he was the apostle or the messenger to to the gentiles and so a Jew, which is, would be a Jewish person, Christianity started within Judaism and then kind of came out of that. And then a non-Jew, which is a Gentile. So a way of saying Jew and Gentile is a way of saying everybody. So there's the Jew, Jewish people and then the non-Jewish people. And so what Paul would say is that he was the apostle to the Gentiles to take this message to the world, to the gospel, the message of what happened with Jesus and take that out to the world. And so in that, it's, he uses this term outsiders and I wanted to look at these there's five places that we're going to look at it's going to be outsiders and outsiders in worship outsiders in leadership walking in wisdom towards outsiders how are we to look at outsiders with in in regards to morality and so it's really interesting how he uses the term outsiders but even as I was like I think this is where we should go and it'd be I think helpful for us to talk about this I thought to myself man but if I start talking about insiders and outsiders that's controversial which is, it seems kind of, I guess, odd, but it, it kind of speaks to our day and age, right? You go, the fact that there would be insiders and then there would be outsiders—it goes that seems that that doesn't seem right. And so, what do we, what do we, what do we do with this? Outsiders often can be used as a pejorative term, or outsiders can be used negatively, right? Uh, they're an outsider. They don't know. They're such an outsider. Or if you feel like an outsider, you ever felt like an outsider? That's typically not a good feeling, especially if the insiders are letting you know that they're insiders and you are an outsider. So really, outsider can be used, the term outsider can be used negatively. It can have, you can have negative feelings when I use the word outsider. Maybe you're here this morning, you even feel like an outsider. But actually, there's actually a couple of times, there's a few times, there's multiple times where the term outsider actually has a positive connotation to it. Right. We're we're entering into the political system, the political political system, the political season where it seems like we never got out of it, but we're still back in it. And as the election comes up, you hear all these politicians. And one of the things that you hear them talk a lot about, what do they say? Oh, I'm an outsider. Yeah, total outsider. I'm an outsider. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go in and we're going to change those insiders in there. And, and it's interesting as they are, as they are campaigning to talk about how outsider they really are. Oh, my, you know, my opponent, they say that they're an outsider. I am more outside than they are. They're a total insider. And they're arguing this and I go, they're, you're a political outsider, yet you've been in politics or whole life. I don't know if this makes any sense. But what they're really trying to, they're, they're really trying to identify with as being the outsiders is saying we're going to be the ones that, that bring change to the system. And so and one of the things that they're trying to do then is, is identify with what? Other outsiders. You're an outsider. I'm an outsider mostly in the political realm. And so they say, I want to identify with you. I'm just like you. I'm not like them. So in that way, actually, outsider is a, is a good term. Yeah, I, I've never heard somebody run on the campaign and go, yeah, I'm a total political insider. Yeah, vote for me because I'm a total insider. I'll get the job done because I'm an insider. You go, I'm not voting for you, right? That's not how that works. Another time maybe with the outsider could be used as a positive term is if you have some sort of like um, consulting firm that would come in, they go something's happening internally in in the organization, and we need an outsider's opinion. And it's a lot of times that seems to be as like as, as more objective, right? With the insiders going to be super subjective, but the outsider is actually going to give us a better perspective of what's happening. And so they'll bring somebody in who's who's new to it to say, "Tell us what do you see as an outsider." And really there, the one, the first one with politics often is about change. The one with the, with, with the other one, with the, the, uh, with the consulting is like, we're, you're going to give us a better picture of reality. You have a clear picture of what's happening. So in both of those ways, I think that the outside, term outsider actually used well, but that's not always the case. And so there's this relationship between the insiders and outsiders. Insiders often make outsiders feel like outsiders, and that becomes part of the problem. I mean, do they know? Do they know how outside they are? And do they know how inside I am? And so often the insiders can try to intimidate the outsiders. But interestingly enough, the outsiders... Intimidate at some level the insiders because the, the, the problem is, is if enough outsiders start coming in, they're going to start changing the system. And if they start changing the system, then maybe I'll find myself once again on the the outside. And so, really, a lot of times the the the, the insiders are intimidated and scared about the outsiders because they want they want to keep everything status quo. And so we see the terms insiders and outsiders, and we have this insider and outsider problem culturally and interestingly enough one of the ways that we i think we've tried to deal with this as a culture is just to do just to do away with all of it just be like well there's there should be no insiders and there should be no outsiders everyone just is one whole thing and i go but the thing is i don't know if that's super helpful i mean hear this i think it's actually helpful to to be able to understand that you're on the inside of some things on the outside of other things this uh, this last Thursday, I spent I spent the vast majority of the day with uh, with Star Wars fans. They talk a different language, and they're friends of mine, really good friends of mine. But they, you know, most of the time we're talking about different things. But man, we get on the topic of Star Wars, and I'm like, okay, all right, well. Uh, <laughs> Which movie was that? I mean, I, mean, I, I like it, but I don't, I don't speak the language. I learned one thing. I learned that Chewbacca was from the planet Kashyyyk. That's what I learned. And so I feel like I can drop that knowledge early on. Just to, it's, like, it's a little bit of like cred. And then I move on from other things. Like, I'm like, oh, I was surprised I didn't see Kashyyyk in that movie. And they're like, oh, OK, he knows. But I don't know. Uh, I just know. That's what I know. And so uh, and so but I felt like a, a total outsider. And I thought to myself, as I was even preparing for this message, I go, I could actually change this. It's not that they, they're trying to keep me on the outside. They weren't making me feel dumb for knowing this, not knowing this stuff. In fact, they would love for me. They were wanting me to know this stuff. And I thought, yeah, I could totally change this. I could jump in to this world. And I thought to myself, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay that they know it. And I'm okay that I'm actually an outsider in this world. Whenever I travel, my outsider status is very clear to me. As long as I'm in Natomas, guess what I am? I'm an insider. But as soon as I leave, really in this community or leave the state or the country, my outsider status is very, very clear to me. I was in Peru back in September. Guess what I felt like? An outsider. And every time I left the room... Every time I heard another language spoken, every time I wasn't quite sure what was the cultural norm, every time i was <laughs> I wasn't sure if something was inappropriate or appropriate, I felt like an outsider and and to hear me this, I think that that's okay, and actually, I would say is actually it actually would be 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 borderline inappropriate for me to, to for instance to go to to go to Peru and be like, yeah so." We're ju- like, we're just the same. Like, I'm Peruvian, too. And they're like, no, you're not. Like, no, yeah, I mean, I'm American, yeah, but, I, but I'm Peruvian. And I'm just like you. And actually, if I started pretending as if I was Peruvian, taking on their culture, doing their cultural things, acting as if it was my culture, actually, in our culture now, that's highly offensive. We said that's cultural appropriation, right? You can't, you can't do that. And so I think it's interesting that as a culture, we have this, there should be no insiders and outsiders, but then we also at the same time have this, this, this dilemma, of Like, but you can't, you can't appropriate somebody else's culture. You're an outsider of that culture, which I would say, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay that I go to Peru and I, I feel like an outsider because I'm not an insider. You see, we, and we can, we can, this insider-outsider conversation, we're okay with it, you know, in Star Wars world. We get it in you know, Peruvian world, maybe. But what about when we talk about insiders and outsiders, and we start talking about race, gender, sexuality, political? Whoa. What do we do with that? So it's an interesting thing where we have this idea of insiders and outsiders, and we don't know how to, like, deal with it. And part of what we're experiencing right now is a tension in our world where this outsider, this insider-outsider tension is growing. Where, where people are just playing to their insiders and they're just trying to rally the base and play to the insiders. But as that happens, is that there's insiders over here and there's insiders over here and, and the gap is widening. And I've realized, even in preparation for this, I thought, like... There's, there's a lot of circles I'm an insider in. At the same time, there's a lot of circles I'm an outsider in. And that's okay. And I don't think the issue at the, at the core, I don't think the issue is the fact that there are insiders and outsiders in anything. I think the issue is, is how the insiders and outsiders treat one another. That seems to be the issue. Which is interesting because the Bible talks a lot about this. So which, which tells me a couple things. One, it tells me that it's not a new problem. Right? This idea of a click. Have you ever experienced a click? Yeah. It's interesting that the people that are inside the click, like sometimes they know, other times they don't. Why? Because they're insiders. But you know what? I, I, we want to get a quick definition of what I think a click is. A click is that insiders are treated like insiders, and outsiders are treated like outsiders, and there's a, it's clear about who's who. Which is interesting, because then we talk about there's this biblical value of what's called hospitality. And hospitality, you know, it's more than just, by the way, like, oh, they're really hospitable, they, they gave me food. That's not necessarily what hospitality is. We talk about a biblical idea of hospitality and a biblical value of hospitality. it's this idea that you treat the outsider better than you would treat the insider? Which I think a lot of times we go, "Yeah, oh, that sounds doesn't that, that sound great? We want to treat the outsider better than we treat the insider." So, for instance, when when I was in Africa, we uh, we, we 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 ate a lot of meat. And we were having some conversations with the team to say, but this is not their normal diet. Their normal diet is rice and beans. Then why do everywhere we go we eat meat? Because, Because we're outsiders and they want to treat us better. They're going to eat better because we're here. That's hospitality. And so we have this idea with hospitality to treat the outsider better than the insider. And by the way, you know who gets this? The hospitality industry. The, their whole industry is built on treating strangers as if they are at home. That's, that's the industry, which we like. It sounds good, like, yes, until you're an insider and you start seeing an outsider treated better than you. And you start to think to yourself, who are they? Where? <laughs> I'm glad you're here. But the, the back of the line's there. You know, I'm, 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 I'm wel- welcome, welcome, welcome. Back of the line, buddy. <laughs> right? I got here before you. And so we're okay with this idea of outsiders treated better than the insider until it actually starts to happen, which is when we begin to have some issues with it. And so this is, we see this throughout the scriptures. And so this idea of hospitality there's a relationship between the outsiders and insiders. And Paul is going to be using this term outsiders. And he's not going to use it in a negative way, by the way. Spoiler alert. It's going to be very, he's going to speak very well or to say that there's a level of respect to treat them well. You have responsibilities to them. Now, Paul, when he wrote his letters, he was writing mostly letters to churches, churches he had planted, some of them he had planted, some of them he had set up, but he was writing letters to churches, and he was telling them, hey, do this and don't do this. I, I got word on the street that this was what's happening. Don't do that. Do this instead. And so this, a lot of his letters are, are just written to churches. And when he uses the term outsiders, a couple of things that he's not saying, he's not talking about people who go to church and don't go to church. That's not what he's talking about. When he says outsiders, he's not talking about necessarily heaven and hell. The outsiders and the, oh yeah, they're outside of heaven and uh, they're inside heaven. That's not what he's talking about, ultimately. He's not talking about who gives, who supports the church. He's not talking about those. What he's talking about when he says the term outsiders and insiders, he's saying that basically the insiders are those who believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. That his death on the cross was was the substitute, that he died for them on the cross, his sin, he took on their sin on the cross, and that he rose from the grave three days later. He says those people are the insiders, and the outsiders are people who don't believe that. And, and, and so when we talk about insiders and, and outsiders, I want to say like, 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 that's that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about who's going to church, who's not going to church. He's not talking about, like I said, who's giving and who's not giving, or who's even going to heaven, who's not going to heaven. He's talking about those who believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, died on the cross, and rose from the grave. Those are the insiders. And if they don't believe that, then they're an outsider. And maybe you're here this morning and you, you don't believe that and you just heard me say, Well, you're you're an outsider. Well I can tell you this. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad I'm going we're gonna talk about some things, but I'm glad that you're here because there is a responsibility. And my prayer for you is that you would become an insider. One of the beautiful things about Christianity is that people, Christianity is exclusive. And I go, Well, yes, Christianity makes some exclusive claims, but all all are invited in, all are included. It tells us that, that in Christ, right, it's this in Christ, male nor female, right, a Jew or Gentile, male or female, or free or slave, that all are the same in Christ. And what he's really saying is that no matter your, your race, your, your, your gender, or your social status, you have equal standing in Christ. And so although Christianity makes exclusive claims, It is not exclusive in the sense of who can come. All are welcomed in. It's one of the differences between my friends with with the Star Wars, going back to the Star Wars, is that they they would love for me to jump into the world. I'm I'm just not going to. They want me to be a part of it. But I'm okay being on the outside of it. And so if you're here and you're an outsider in that term, I want, you to know that I'm, I'm glad, I want you to know that I'm glad that you're here because we're going to talk about some, some really cool things, I think, over the next uh, several weeks. And so Paul, when, when he, he uses this term, he's really writing to the Jews and to the, the Gentiles. And, and he has this issue early on in the church is this racial tension that grows up between the, the Jews and the Gentiles. Because really Christianity came out of the Jewish faith and so early on, there's a lot of Jews. Like basically, Christianity was all people who came; they were from the Jewish faith that embraced Jesus as the Messiah. But as it started to go out into the Roman Empire, more more Gentiles started to come in, and those Gentiles they didn't get how things were run, and so so it's, it created this real big racial tension in in the early church. Now, the term Jew and Gentile, like I said before, is that Jew is just Referring to the Jewish people and Gentiles referred to anybody basically any non Jew, which can just be a descriptor, right? Like I grew up in South Sacramento, my sister we grew up in South Sacramento, and just to be honest, not a lot of white people in South Sacramento. And that's just a descriptor of my neighborhood. But there's a way to say not white people that would be very offensive. To say, well, what's going on? Like, well, it's not a lot of white people. Or in reference to somebody to telling them, well, you're just, the problem is you're just, you're just not white. You go, that's offensive. You go, absolutely, that's offensive. And that's not the first that that's ever been offensive. And so when the term Jew and Gentile, Gentile can just be a descriptor, but the Gentile was also used as like, well, but you're not Jewish. That's a problem. And so there's this racial tension in the church early on that Paul is constantly addressing and so, he writes in this letter to the Ephesians. And Ephesians 2, one of the things he says in Ephesians 2, and you can read this, the, the first part of Ephesians 2 later, but the first part of Ephesians 2, he says, you're saved by grace, not by your works. There's nothing you have done that earned you salvation. This is one of the beautiful things about Christianity, is that you did not earn your salvation. You did not work your way towards God. There's nothing you did that could work your way towards God. God worked his way towards you. That's the story of Christianity. Not about humanity rising up, but about God coming down. Because there's nothing you did. You're saved by grace. And this idea is like so: so nobody can boast about it. And then he addresses them in Ephesians chapter two, verse eleven, and that's where I want to go now. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what was called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so Paul says, I want you to remember. And remember, who's he writing this to? He's writing this to the the church. And so what he says is, I want you to remember, hey, insider, insider, Remember, at one time you were an outsider. Even if you've been coming, we think about this, even if you've been coming to, to Northside longer than, longer than me, I've been here 14 years now, have you been here longer than me? There was, you had a first Sunday here. Don't forget that at one point you used to be an outsider. And right now he's talking to the Christian faith. He goes, those of you that are, that are in Christ, don't, don't forget that at one point you used to be an outsider. And you remember what that was like? Gentile, right? Called the, the uncircumcision by the circumcised. And that may not sound like really controversial to you. Like, woo. But really, what it, what it was is that the circumcision was the sign of the covenant with Abraham. It was a way to say that I belong to Abraham. I'm one of Abraham's children. I'm, I'm, I'm an heir to the promise. I'm an heir to the, 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 the promises that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And so the... The circumcision, which was from generation to generation, it was a physical, a very physical reminder, that as the generations go, right? Does so it make sense at some level? As the generations go, that we are children of Abraham. And so the, only the Jewish people were circumcised because they were the ones that was a sign of the, the, the Abrahamic covenant. And so then you had early Christians that were not part of that, that were not circumcised, that were coming into faith. Is, do you remember what they called you? Uncircumcised. Not children of Abraham. Do you remember what you were called? And do you remember what life was like? That's what he says, right? Do you remember what it was like? You were excluded from the promises. No hope without God belonged to the world. That's what he says. Do you remember what it was like? The hard part about being a Christian for so long, one of the difficult things is, is the longer you're a Christian, hopefully, this is the idea, right? The more you mature in Christ. The more you mature in Christ, the harder it is for you to remember what, it, what you were like before Christ. My grandpa, the older he got, the better he was, right? The higher he could jump, the faster he could run. But I don't... I don't know about that, Grandpa, but it was true. The older he got, the better he was. And I feel like that happens a lot within Christianity. The longer and more mature I'm a Christian, the more I forget what I was like before. And by the, that's a grace, by the way. But what Paul is saying is, like, don't forget what you used to be like. You remember that you were an outsider at one point. And when you were an outsider, you had no hope. You were without God and in the world. I think about sophomore, like uh, high school sophomores everywhere, right? The first day of school, what do they think to themselves? Who are these freshmen? What are these, these little kids? These, these punks? Where did they come from? Like, and then some of say, you were a freshman once too. Well, yeah, but not like that. I wasn't that small and annoying, right? And I wasn't, that wasn't me. And then someone else says, yeah, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. You forgot. You forgot and you, you didn't know or you forgot, but you were. And what Paul is saying is, is don't forget outside or inside or now. You used to be an outsider. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember the feeling of being on the outside? Do you remember that? So then he says I want you I want you to remember that. Then he goes on. So 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 don't forget you used to be an outsider. Verse 13. But now, so you used to be an outsider, but now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down this in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments is expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were, Far off, peace to those who were near. For though, so for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And so he says, "You were you were far off, you were an outsider. But do you know how you got insider status? Do you know how you were brought close?" This is what he says. He's by the blood of Jesus. You have a new identity, not because of anything that you did. You have insider status because of what Christ has done for you. It's by his blood that he did that. Brought to the cross. And so you can't actually boast about your insider status. And so what he says, and, and what, what Christ did on love is what he says, he goes He goes that Christ made peace and is our peace. And this is one of the, the great teachings of Christianity is that, that, that Jesus has has given us peace and wholeness in our relationship with God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, that we have, once again, we have the hostility. God was angry with us. I know it's not popular, but God was angry with us. And so, God, Jesus restored that relationship. But more than that, more than that, also with that, in connection with that, he also then restored this relationship here. This is what he says. You have peace with God. In Christ and you have peace with one another you were hostile with God God was hostile towards you and you were hostile with each other and what Christ has done actually has, has made it so that now you can live peacefully is this what he says he says that he he tore down he broke down the dividing wall of hostility in the temple in Jerusalem where they would go to where they would the Jews would go to worship there's actually a Gentile court and inside so the temple kind of goes in in rings it's the court of the women then the, the Gentiles but inside the Gentiles is where the Jewish people could go so there's actually a place in in the temple a wall where you can say you you can't you can't go if you're a Gentile you have to stay out here only only the Jews can go forward so there is a separation first of of women so the women have to stay out here, but now men can come in. And then there was this another sort of dividing wall where I would say, now, well, okay, but the only Jewish men can now go forward, and then into the to the main part of the temple. Now only the priests can go forward, and then into the holies of holy. Then only the high priest once a year can go even further. And one of the things he's saying is that now he goes that that's that's torn down, Torn down the walls of hostility, the things that separate us. The problem is is that, have you ever seen Christians hostile towards each other? Not me. (laughs) Never. The dividing wall of hostility. And you go, if Jesus tore it down, why are Christians so hostile towards one another? And I go, because Jesus tore it down, and we, we keep on putting it back up. To which you may think to yourself, Josh, that doesn't seem wise to, to to rebuild something that Jesus tore down. I would go, yeah, it's not wise. If Jesus tore it down, we should probably leave it down. But what I find is that what we do with Christianity, even within Christianity, within the insiders, Right? So Paul's going to talk about outsiders. We're going to talk about that for five weeks after this. Now by the insiders, even with the insiders, there was, as like all insider groups go, there was the insiders of the insiders. And of the insiders of the insiders, there's another group of the insiders. And what Jesus, what Paul's saying here, Jesus tore all of that down so you don't have to be hostile towards one another. And yet we see Christians that are hostile towards one another because they keep on putting the walls that Jesus tore down Keep on reconstructing them. It's not wise, it's not good, it's not right. It's interesting because within Christianity, remember what it says here, Jesus tore down the wall between us and God and Jesus tore down the walls between us and like with, with each other. And if, in, within Christianity, if people start trying to reconstruct the wall between God and humanity, like, well, you can't, you can't just talk to God. You have to come to me and then I'll talk to God for you. We lose our minds. Like, that's not true. No, 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 no. You can go straight to God. I go, yeah, why? Because Jesus tore down the wall of hostility. So whenever someone else tries to rebuild that wall between us and God, we're, we're adamant about fighting that wall going back up. But then I think to myself, why aren't we equally as adamant about the wall between each other going back up? We seem to be okay with that one. Jesus tore them both down so that we may experience peace with one another. And so the outsiders become insiders. And then there's this community of ex-outsiders that are now insiders. And that's what then he goes on to say then in in 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so what he says is, this new, there's a new community at play here. And you're like, you're invited in. And and Christ is the cornerstone. You have a new identity, a new community, and Christ is the cornerstone. His identity, who he says he is, and all of the things he says about what his work on the cross and resurrection would do. It's interesting because sometimes people want to take the identity of Jesus, like, well, sure he claimed to be God, but we're just going to take his teachings I go, no, the cornerstone or the Christ is the cornerstone of the faith is his identity and teachings together. By the way, if you take his teachings away from his identity, it would happen. To, well, what will happen to the, your, your, your faith or the structure, whatever it would be, would do with all things that happen when you move it off, it found, off its foundation is that it just collapse. Whenever people try to move Christianity off of the cornerstone of Jesus, what they end up with is A structure full of moralism that ends up just collapsing on itself. And so Paul says, you used to be outsiders, but now you're insiders. And that's, by the way, because of Jesus. Not because you want to snuggle up to God, but because of the blood of Jesus. And by the way, in this community, there are other ex-outsiders that are now insiders and together you are forming a new community that is founded on the, the, the foundation of the prophets with the cornerstone being Jesus. Being built together, this is the idea, in unity, being joined together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In theory, the church should be the, uh, the most unified community in our culture today right we are all outsiders that are now insiders because of what christ has done to us done for us and now we're we're growing together into the holy temple of god and so in theory the church itself should be the most unified community in our culture the problem is i've been working for churches now for 20 years that's often not the case Often, many people have gone to churches and thought to them They did not think to themselves, "You know what that is? That's a unified community of peace. That's what that is." I go, "What happened?" They go to a church and they go, "Man, those people—they don't like each other. They seem hostile to one another." And we say, well, "Why is that still happening?" You go, "I'll tell you why it's happening." Sin is still at play. Let I mean, think about this. Anytime two Christians are hostile towards each other, whether friends, within a marriage, whenever two Christians are hostile with one another, somebody's sinning. And the truth is, it's both of them typically. Then lots of ministry. I've been, I've, I've been part of lots of this. I go, nobody's ever 100% innocent. The reason why people are hostile, Christians are hostile, because sin still is still at play. Selfishness and greed, pride, arrogance. I mean, there's these things that are still at play. And what Jesus is saying is that Paul's saying here, what Jesus has done is he's, he's made these outsiders. You used to be an outsider. No hope. Now you're on the inside as a community, together. And this is the community that he's addressing. And he says, I want you to know that you're together as insiders, growing together in unity. Now, I want to start our conversation over the next several weeks here. And the reason why is this. If you are a Christian, I want you, as we talk about outsiders, I want you to remember you used to be an outsider. Don't forget you used to be an annoying freshman. You know, you used that used to be you. And maybe now you're just an annoying sophomore. You know, but that used to be you. Whenever I, I, I come across church environments or christian circles that are operating cliquish i go that's a community or that's a group or that's a people that have forgotten at one point they were on the outside and they forgot what it was like to be like on the outside and we can't do that and that's why paul i think he says remember 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 and so we start here because i want you to remember insider those that are in the christian faith I want you to remember there used to be a time where you were an outsider. If you are outside the Christian faith, like I said before, my goal, my hope, my prayer for you is that you would, you would come into the faith. There's nothing that you can't, you can't earn your way in like if I do enough, then maybe I'll belong. Like, no, it's like actually what, what you need to do to belong has already been done for you. That's what Christ has done. So but really, if you're, as we say here, if you're outside the Christian faith, my, my goal is that you would come into the Christian faith. And so maybe you're outside the Christian faith, but you're, you're inside the church this morning. My goal ultimately is that you would come into faith. But why I think you should listen to the next several weeks for a a couple of reasons. One, other than just coming to faith, one is that a lot, there's been a lot of interaction between Christians and non-Christians. And if you read the news enough, the interaction between Christians and non-Christians is not good or healthy. If you're on Facebook enough, the interaction between Christians and non-Christians is not healthy. At times it can be destructive, demeaning, uh, arrogant, foul, and 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 if if you're outside the Christian faith and you're looking at that, and you think to yourself, "Man, that's like that's what that's about." Like I don't want to be a part of that. And so one of the things I hope you would even see over the next several weeks is is some clarification to go, no, that that's not what that's not what Paul talked about. That's not what Jesus talked about. And so there was actually. This interaction between the, the, those inside the faith and outside the faith. And there's actually rules that set that up. And what's happening out on Facebook, and on the news, that's not right. That's not what the scriptures teach us. And so the, 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 the one reason I want you to come is because I want you to see that. I want you to see what the Bible teaches about how Christians should actually interact with non-Christians. The other reason, if that's not enough for you to come for this, <laughs> uh, the other thing is that what it would do is actually, if nothing else, it would just equip you for, for it should, it's going to equip you for hostile Christians. And so you're like, man, I just need to know, how, how do I deal with hostile Christians? I'm like, you know what, you come in the next few weeks, I will actually give you the scriptures to deal with hostile Christians. Be like, but doesn't it say in your very own word that you, that you shouldn't do that? And they'll be like, well, 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 well. So, so it'll equip you to deal with, Hostile Christians. And so for those of you that are inside the faith, my goal, as the world is becoming increasingly divisive, that we, inside the faith, would be able to communicate well and live well with those outside of the faith. And if you're outside of the faith, my prayer is that you would come into the faith. But if you're outside of the faith, That you would see that actually Christians have a responsibility to you. It's this weird thing where Paul is going to say, you have a responsibility, those that are in faith, you have a responsibility to those that are not in faith. Do you know, by the way, Paul could have said, Ah, who cares? Who cares what they think? Who cares how you treat them? Who cares what they think? Who cares what they say? Who cares? Who cares about any of that? You guys just focus in on Jesus, do better, be better. He could have said all that, but he didn't say that. He actually says, you have a responsibility to them. Well, what about what about them to me? Paul, well, that's their thing. But you actually have a responsibility to, to them. That the actually the insider has a responsibility to the outsider, and the outsider doesn't necessarily have the responsibility to the insider. And in the end, what Paul is saying is then, is then as you become an insider, now you're responsible to each other. But man, my, my prayer is even as, as 2020 unfolds, I can't, like there's just so, so, so little we can do with the Christian faith generally speaking but specifically speaking here in this room and the lives that are affected by by the lives that are here in this room i go i think we we can be better stewards of the relationships that god's entrusted with us and if you are the insider my prayer is that you would as it says walk with wisdom with those that are outside the faith because what paul's going to say is that the way we walk with those that are outside the faith is going to say something about the faith and it may be the only thing that they ever hear about the faith. And so this week, if nothing else, you just start thinking about how do I treat outsiders? How do I treat those? If if you're a Christian, how do I treat those who are outside the faith? How do I interact with them? What do they think about me? What would they say about my Jesus? And as we unpack, what I'd like to do is give you the tools and the scriptures to walk with wisdom with outsiders. And may we be a community of outsiders that have become insiders that are looking to make insiders of other outsiders. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just making us, making us and bringing us in to faith. God, we're, we're not responsible and we couldn't earn our own way into, into your, your goodness, into your likeness, into your approval, into your acceptance. But Christ, only through what you have done for us. God, I just know this morning that there, that there are a lot that are here that are in, that we say, that are in faith and in, in you. I pray that this week that you would remind them, remind me that we, we used to be on the outside and what that felt like and what that, what that was and what it sounded like. What the experience was. That we would not increase this us versus them mentality that is capturing our world. That we wouldn't buy into it. That that how we treat others in the faith or out of the faith matters. I pray for those that are here that are outside the faith. But are here in the building. I pray that as we go through this spirit, I pray that you would you would bring them conviction and an invitation, a call into, into faith. I pray for them specifically that as, as they hear, as, as the weeks unfold, that they would go into this as an outsider, but come out of it as an insider. We thank you that we belong to you. We belong to your promises. That we are saints in your kingdom. And sons and daughters in your family. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.